Hello and welcome to the Pet Runs Podcast. My name is Trisha Curtis and I will be your host for this podcast and many others to follow. This is the sixth podcast and today we're talking about frac sand. Yes, frac sand, that powerful propent that you pump down oil and gas wells to get so much crude oil and natural gas out. Today we'll be discussing what exactly frac sand is, uh, why the market is so hot right now for frac sand, and what was happening um, in the boom and bust. So what was really happening in, in the run-up to 2014, um, what happened in the, in the downtrend in 2015 and 2016, and, and what's really happening now in 2017. And then we're going to really talk about um, sort of the, the crux of this issue, issue is, is what type of sand is in high demand and why this um, smaller gra- grain sand like 100 mesh is in such high demand. Okay, so before we get into um, the nuts and bolts of frac sand, let's talk first about what's happening in the market right now. So as of March 2017, the most recent EIA data shows production, uh, U.S. crude oil production at almost 9.1 million per barrels per day. So uh, a significant recovery from some of the lows we saw in 2015 that we hit. And since then, um, we've, we've been rebounding and sort of stabilizing in some of these shale patches. Now, this is largely attributable to the significant rise in the oil and gas rig count, particularly in the oil rig count. So in December of last year, about mid-December, the rig count, according to Baker Hughes, oil rigs were 510, and that was a significant uptick from what it was in months prior. But today we're standing at about 722 oil rigs running right now. And the bulk of that is, as you know, or probably know, is largely attributed to the Permian Basin. So the Permian Basin, we've talked about a lot on this podcast before. That's the basin in southern New Mexico um, and western Texas. Um, and it's, it's one of the hottest oil plays in the world right now, if not the hottest oil play in the world. So the Permian Basin was at, um, in December, 258 rigs, and there's 362 oil rigs running right now, which is a very impressive uptick. And, and by by and far the, the largest uh, amount of rigs that's running in the U.S. But we've seen places like the Wilson Basin, like the Bakken, really recover as well. So at the end of last year, there was about 30 rigs running, and today there's 45. So a very impressive uptick. We're seeing that similar in the Marcellus, where we have a lot of gas rigs running, about 45. Um, and we're, the Eagle Ford has actually doubled from uh, just about 40 rigs um, late last year to almost 80 rigs now. So a very impressive uptick, and that's what's really driving um, the boom in demand in frac sand because as you drill these wells um, you have to complete them and, and unless you're you're doing drilled but uncompleted wells so you're drilling your well and you're you're leaving it aside and you're not completing it and it becomes a duck um, then you are completing them and to complete them the the predominant method is to use a large amount of frac sand and this frac sand is really why we've seen uh, or one significant factor of why we've seen such an increase um, in output or productivity per well so we talked about a lot of the things that increase the factors that increase productivity in our Oxford paper that we released in November of 2016. Uh, we talked about a, a number of things uh, that came together in the in um, 2015 and 2016 when oil prices were incredibly low and producers were drilling some of their best acreage. Um, they were utilizing their sweet spots. They were better understanding them. They were doing um, more reservoir mapping and imaging to target the best 
places in the lateral. They were down, in, decreasing their acreage spacing, increasing their booked reserves. And, and part of this was they were, um, they changed the way they were completing wells, I mean, dramatically changed. So within two years, the type of propent that we, uh, that producers were, were pumping down whole changed dramatically from um, larger grain sand and, and ceramic-based propents to um, much finer grain sand and much, much cheaper, um, almost all sand-based propents. Now, um, the reason we're talking about this and why this, this productivity matters is because if we, if we are, and we've talked about this before about the Permian Basin, but if we look at what's happened in the past two years, um, as you know, and we've discussed within this Oxford paper, productivity rose significantly. So um, initial production rates, if you're looking at the Permian Basin for just horizontal wells in 2015, went from 420 barrels per day to uh, 540 barrels per day. And there was a significant month-over-month -month uptick. So it wasn't like the well um, it came, you know, the, the production came down in line with, with the previous year's well. And we're seeing a much bigger uptick actually this year. And obviously far fewer wells have been drilled in, in 2017. So the data is not huge that's out there. But from 2016 at 540 barrels per day for an average horizontal well in the Permian Basin, we are now seeing well over 700 barrels per day on average. And we can attribute a lot of that to the frac sand. Now, part of this is not just, it's not just frac sand and the amount of, of sand that's being pumped down these wells, but it's also longer laterals, um, more uh, perforations per well, so more uh, tighter cluster spacing, putting more um, sets of perforations closer together and increasing that amount. And when you do that, you're increasing, um, you're in turn going to increase this amount of sand. And the, the real step change that took place um, in how we're, we're completing these wells um, now than we were two years ago is that prior to the downturn, we wanted uh, the fractures to go out um, as far as they could. Uh, theoretically, that we wanted to open these these fractures um, and in, increase conductivity. So that means that you were you're creating a, a fissure outside of your well bore, and you wanted it to go up relatively high, and you wanted to put a piece of propent in it, so a piece of uh, like a bead of of, of grain, of like a, a sand or a resin coated propent or a, a ceramic propent, and then you wanted the oil to flow around it. And in the Bakken, in leading up to 2014, a lot of folks were still using ceramic based propent. And this is a synthetic propent, so this is almost a perfect bead. So this um, the sphericity or the how how round and circular it is was almost it was near to perfect. Whereas compared to a, a sand grain, it can be sort of you know some are more perfect than others, but it's it's not a perfect circle. Um, it doesn't have perfect sphericity. Um, and in theory, that sphericity would would help you to have oil flow around it. Now, this was what the thinking was a couple of years ago, and that changed quickly. And part of it is uh, a better understanding of the reservoir, but a lot of it is to do with price. So um, in the downturn in 2015, 2016, sand price at propent, particularly sand, was extremely cheap. So operators were able to um, take a gamble and put a lot of sand down hole to test um, you know, what this was going to do. And what they saw initially was that recoveries increased significantly. So your initial production rates increased dramatically when you pumped a lot more sand. Um, this happened to also be in areas where producers knew they um, had pretty decent acreage. So we saw these things coming together. But then over the course of 2016, we really saw an understanding of this emerge. So we had some, some uh, pretty big independent producers really lead the way in terms of under underground reservoir mapping and imaging and um, EOG and uh, Pioneer Natural Resources, several companies in the Permian Basin were, were, were big on this of, of understanding where they were placing the laterals, how much 
propent they were putting down. So they're putting in more propent down these wells. Okay, so you had these operators um, putting large volumes of propent um, of sand uh, down these wells, and so to hydraulically fracture them, they were putting large volumes of sand. Uh, this was because the sand was cheaper, it was available, uh, and they also changed their uh, their propent or their um, completion design so they could use slick water as opposed to a hybrid. Um, which was gel and water or um, just uh, pure gel, uh, which also made it cheaper. Now, the culmination of this is that also because you uh, you were using gels and hybrids because you wanted to take, carry the propent further and you were carrying maybe a bigger propent or you were carrying a ceramic or resin coated propent and you needed to carry it out. With a change in completion design of using more um, more sand, you could use cheaper uh, a cheaper slick water frack because you you didn't need to carry that propent out as far, and this all came together. Um, and it's not entirely clear um, if this was you know for some guys it was driven by cost, for for others it was driven by that they saw some of their peers, namely some of the the bigger performers, really um, move the needle on this, and that has a lot to do with it. I mean, there were some some big performers like EOG and Pioneer that changed their completion designs dramatically and really switched toward um, sand and particularly 100 mesh, um, that really small grain sand, um, and they saw their performances increase. So you had a lot of operators uh, follow suit, um, and that means that, you know, everybody started switching to sand and was also using slick water, but that's also because both of these components were relatively cheap. Now, in turn, um, so it wasn't just, you know, the beginning of this, uh, the downturn, we saw a lot of operators drilling some of their, their known acreage. But, you know, increasingly in 2015 and 2016, we saw more operators obviously push outside of their known acreage, and, and we still saw those productivity gains. So particularly in the Permian Basin where operators have per purchased acreage um, and they don't have any, a, a lot of assets on that acreage, we have seen performance increases. So these um, reservoirs are responding well to um, frac sand in particular um, and th these types of, of um, completion designs. So one notable company I would say that is is talking directly about the sand, um, you know, really spelling out what type of sand they're using. Centennial Resources had the first earnings call um, in this, um, in the first quarter of 2017 in May, and they talked about using 80% um, 100 mesh in their wells and then 40-70. Um, and this brings us to, let's have a little uh, Frex Sand 101 on, on types of sand. So when I reference the three types of, of propent, propent is what you're, 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 frac you're putting in your fracture fluids and you're pumping down hole um, at very high pressures um, and, and high volumes to basically crack um, around your well bore um, and allow crude oil or natural gas and obviously water that comes with it to flow out. Now those that changing completion design was that you wanted those fractures to go out far and now they're sort of rubbleizing and really um, pulverizing sort of around the well bore. And think about you know putting um, thousands of pounds of, of very small granular sand um, per foot down a well. So you have a two you know two mile long lateral, ten thousand feet, and you're pumping fifteen hundred to five thousand sand pounds of sand per lateral foot. Um, and the sand sizes are extremely small. So I'm holding um, 100 mesh in my hand right now. This is extremely fine grand sand. So if you can imagine um, just how much is being pumped down there. Essentially, there are a lot of theories about what this is doing, but we'll get to that shortly. Um, and then you have higher, uh, higher 
sizes. So you have um, 40-70. So Centennial Resources mentioned in their earnings call that they're doing 80% of their wells in, in 100 mesh and then 20% in 40-70. So 40-70 is a little bit bigger. It's not much bigger, but it's bigger. Um, and, you know, throughout the boom um, and throughout 2015, 2016, you know, everyone liked Northern White 40-70. It was, it was a go-to um, propent. Uh, it was much cheaper than a ceramic propent or resin-coated propent. Now, ceramic propent um, is a is a synthetic produced propent. So it's it's man-made. A lot of it's made um, in China. That market has really come off a cliff um, since you know 2014 when prices collapsed. Some operators did choose. Um, they opted for it. Um, there were you know SPE Society of Petroleum Engineer papers that had come out in years prior. They really talked about why you wanted ceramic propent, um, particularly in the Bakken, because it enhanced con conductivity and flow. Um, it didn't you didn't really embed the propent into the into the fractures so um, and it lasted longer so the theory was that it kept fractures open longer and therefore um, you had you had longer um, and and better lasting production resin coated propent is basically is essentially sand that's coated with a resin so it was a little bit cheaper than ceramic based propent um, and and other folks you, you know tested it and used it as well and that also took a pretty big hit in the downturn um, as the demand just wasn't there and the reality is that it was twofold it was prices but it's also um, the increased using usage of sand um, and the data that supported it that it was working well so like I said there were a few operators um, both Pioneer and EOG um, really sort of pioneered this and that's because we need to remind our listeners if, if they don't know that both EOG and Pioneer own their own Fraxan. Um, so they were allowed to sort of push these boundaries and test the limits before everyone else because they actually own it um, and therefore have an incentive to do that. Now there, there's a reality that um, there are a lot of frac sand mines across the U.S. and, and the geology, um, just like it dictates where you get oil and gas out, is very similar to, to where you get sand out. In every mine around the world, most of them are, are in Wisconsin and Minnesota, and they, most of those um, in the upper Midwest um, produce a, a smattering of grades. So when I'm talking about grades, I'm, I'm really talking about the grain sizes. So you have um, northern white, you know, the 4070 that I was talking about, a smaller grain size, which is 100 mesh, which is the what's in high demand in, in Somerset. It's, it's basically sold out right now. Um, so other operators are, are opting for other sand. Um, but then you have grades like 30, 50, and the, and the grades change. But your geology is what dictates what type of sand you get out. Um, so there isn't a, a, a push right now to... Um, open up new mines in Texas that one it's it's closer to where you're at a lot of the drilling operations so it's it's close to uh, the Eagle Ford as well as the Permian Basin um, and so you have less distance to travel um, and you can cut out a lot of the logistical issues which is part of um, of the cost issues and we should uh, remind our listeners that you know frac sand prices were you know some operators had mentioned that they were essentially free in in 2016 and now are, are not so much so the um cost per per ton has increased dramatically from uh you know in the teens of 15 20 dollars to um over 40 dollars a ton right now so it's a it's a it's a large cost component i don't think it's becoming a, a deterrent just yet 
um, because we haven't seen, uh, you know, we haven't seen the brakes put on. We are, are probably going to start seeing the limitations of the testing um, or of the pushing the boundaries of, you know, is it 2,000 pounds of sand per ladder foot, 3,000 pounds, is it 5,000, 7,000, 8,000? You know, at some point you might get decreasing marginal returns, and, and that's not because it's not necessarily increasing the productivity, but there are a lot of factors in that. So it's it's the frac fluid that you're putting with it. It's what's happening in the reservoir. It's how well you understand the reservoir, um, you know, where exactly you're placing their fractures. Um, so obviously the more you know about what you're doing and, and the better you're, the more precise you're doing it, um, you know, the likelihood that you're going to increase production with that increased amount of sand. But as the sand costs rise, uh, it may not be p paying for itself. However, I would say that in my research, I really believe that uh, we're, we're barely scratching the surface on um, the rise um, or, or the ability to increase productivity in these wells. And we're seeing it month over month as we look at the uh, decline rates uh, of these wells. Um, and particularly when you're looking at all these horizontal wells on average and you're not seeing a massive drop up drop off in the tails and the in the tailed production it tells you something um and that gets us to sort of move into the theories a little bit more about what's happening with this um smaller mesh smaller grain size sand uh what's happening downhole in the reservoir okay so one thing i'd like to mention is that if you're studying frac sand and you're researching it and you're looking at SPE papers, as I mentioned, the Society for Petroleum Engineers, and you start looking at this stuff, you realize that not a whole lot of people agree on the smaller mesh size um, and what it's doing downhole. And it's not just that. A lot of folks don't truly, I think, um, understand yet what is happening um, with, with the flow of crude oil in these very tight reservoirs. So remember that uh, these tight reservoirs that we're talking about, um, if you're not super familiar with this, let's just talk about picture the Bakken. This is a really tight rock. So it's almost like if you're, you know, if, you, if you've seen a cement floor, it's, it's like that type of rock and it's 10,000 feet under the ground um, and it's under very high pressure. And what you're trying to do um, is crack open that rock a little bit because in that, um, just like if you're looking at that cement on your floor, it's, um, there's, there's oil in it. Um, and essentially these rocks that were we're fracturing with this with this sand um, and this, this small mesh size sand is um, they're very low um, porosity and low permeability so that porosity is the the sort of the void space uh, between the grains um, that that um, the crude can sort of move around or, or the gas or, or, or the water um, and then your permeability is really the ability um, of the of the flow, the ability for that rock to sort of transmit and move um, um, those fluids. Um, and the biggest characterization of tight or shale or unconventional reservoirs is that they're extremely low permeability and low uh, porosity. Now, so when they were characterized by increasing, you know, pumping a lot of um, hydraulically fracturing, so doing this horizontal drilling and hydraulically fracturing, and they were characterized by these, you know, high initial production rates um, and then very, very steep decline rates. So you basically get the most of your production, you know, you're paying off for your well in, in, in a year or so. But that's changed um, in the sense that, we, yes, we definitely have a high initial production rate still, um, and we still decline significantly. But we think about what's causing those declines. Um, and if you're, if you're an engineer or a reservoir engineer, you know this, um, and a geologist, you understand that, you know, what's causing these, these decline rates. Um, but the reality is, is that what we're seeing with this increased profit usage is that 
we aren't seeing um, you know the super steep declines and that month or year over year especially as we're looking at these horizontal wells with um, that are doing quite well is that the performance rates are increasing and I've talked about this over and over but it's not that you're just seeing a high initial production rate and then the the production line comes in line with the year prior it's that um, month over month there's there's several you know there's more barrels to be had and it means that you're you're basically keep you're keeping more flow coming in so um, if we think about what's happening, if we think about at least in, in theory, pumping more sand down these wells, but trying to keep it closer to the well bore, something is obviously happening down hole if we're getting more oil out. So we're contacting more um, of the reservoir closest to the well bore, but something else must also be happening. And and some folks are suggesting that there's obviously, you know, multi, you know, secondary fracture networks or, or fracture networks that you're you're basically you weren't contacting before and you're holding those open longer. And this hundred mesh, this smaller grain size sand, and, and not just hundred mesh. I mean, 40, 70, There could be lots of different types of of, of um, sand sizes that are that are doing this, but they're helping hold these um, these sort of micro fractures or these small fracture or these extended networks open. Now, um, in previous classes I've taken, they they talked about flow um, and and what's happening within these fra fracture networks, and it, it didn't seem like it was it was truly understood, and it, it certainly felt like a lot of folks had different theories on what was happening. And this was you know this was a couple of years ago, and I I, I think that um, it's still ripe for debate upon um, what. Exactly, exactly happening um, downhole, but there is clearly something, and that's that keeping these fractures closer to the well bore um, does seem to be they're contacting more rock, and most importantly, it seems that this type of hydraulic fracturing with this smaller grain size sand and this these slick water um, fluids is um, allowing these uh, fractures to stay open longer and and allowing production to um, stabilize and increase. And um, one of the uh, recent papers I went through, Journal for Petroleum Technology, um, put an article out on micropropant. It was Halliburton's microscout propant, um, and essentially it's a, uh, basically it's it's finer than 100 mesh. So if you've seen 100 mesh or, or you can look it up, you can see it held in, in somebody's hand if you, if you Google it and you can see a picture, um, and it's this super, super fine sand. So if you can imagine like a 300 mesh, so even finer than that, um, they're using this, uh, you know, not as a full proper base, so they're not pumping thousands and thousands of tens of thousands of pounds uh, per well of this this microscope, but they're pumping some of it, um, and they're seeing an uplift. And um, on on part of the you know some of the commentary was that it's not the initial uplift that you're seeing; it's the tails. So it's later in the life of the well, um, toward um, you know closer toward 200 days or so that you're actually seeing the uplift. And that's really interesting and also very impressive because that, that's saying something about what's happening um, down hole and, and you're not sort of bleeding off and leaking off and these, these structures aren't closing. Um, and when I say we're barely scratching the surface on uh, productivity um, and increases in productivity, this is what I mean, is that we are already seeing these gains in productivity and I think that uh, we truly barely understand why we're exactly seeing them. And we have have lots of companies all over the country testing various um, different types of prop and different types of fluids and, and different types of completions. And it, it is not as simple as just pumping really fine sand down your well um, and it working well. It's There's a lot of complexity to it. So there's a lot of other variables and factors that are making um, some of the, the smaller sand uh, make sense.
so we we need to add this this other factor and that's that 100 mesh is not perfect um and there are more operators than just eog um and pioneer natural resources and centennial that are using 100 mesh and uh, there are a lot of operators in colorado that have tested different things that operate you know hundreds and hundreds of independent uh producers in the u.s that are trying different types of of sand so let's point that out um firstly and secondly is that there are drawbacks to using this really fine grain sand because you can imagine if you if you um you know look at pictures of this or see this how small grains you know this the sand size um this is going to have an impact on equipment now we haven't heard a whole lot of talk about this in earnings calls of uh you know the major service providers but you know attrition of the of the equipment and what's happening with it with equipment was always um something that was talked about uh you know before the downturn and in the downturn and you know what you're doing with this equipment when you're pumping a lot of sand down these wells is it's going to wear on your equipment so you're going to have um you're going to have to replace valves and and all kinds of things there there are ways to reduce this i think and i this is certainly a, an opportunity for service providers and different companies and technology firms to fill a void where they can you know make sure that uh, you can use 100 mesh without damaging your, your equipment massively but that's certainly something to think about and i i know that service providers are you know especially in the permian basin they they're increasing their costs and and we're seeing that and, and operators have talked about um you know in their april and may earnings calls about um you know 10 to 15 percent increase um you know inflation costs basically in service costs um so that's that's a component but we haven't seen a major rise um in service costs you know particularly in the bakken and, and here in colorado in the dj basin there hasn't been a major uptick and that's because most the activity obviously is taking place in the Permian Basin. So this might be a bit of an issue if the service providers want to pass this cost on to um, the producer, um, if there's, you know, all this equipment being worn and torn with, um, you know, this very small grain, uh, you know, 100 mesh sand size. Um, and that might be tricky to pass on the, con- you know, to the operator if, in fact, we're still hovering in this, um, you know, high 40 oil prices or, or, you know, mid 40 oil prices to mid 50 oil prices. It, it's still going to be hard to pass it on. So that's one component to think about. So I just want to conclude here by by bringing up a few more things, and that's this in this um, in this SPE paper uh, on well production in the Scoop Woodford Shale through the application microprop and this one about the micro um, scout through Halliburton. It's SPE one eight four. 863MS. And um, I think one of the, the, the very beginning when you're reading the abstract, it says, perhaps the most difficult objective to accomplish when treating unconventional formations is not just enhancing the number of secondary fractures opened, but increasing the number of these secondary fractures that remain open over a long period of time. So it does seem to me that, um, you know, and this is a great paper, it shows a lot of charts, and again, it's just one formation. It, it, it's a, you know, handful of tests that we've seen. There's not a whole lot out on this. But when we're looking at um, what companies are saying, like Centennial Resources and how I mentioned that they're using, you know, they just come out and, uh, you know, they're sort of stealing EOG's playbook a little bit, um, and that uh, Mark Pop is running the company, um, and he says that, you know, in his first earnings call, says that, you know, they're they're completing their wells with 80% hundred mesh and 20% 4070 um, and it does seem like it's working and, and it's effective so what's happening with this this secondary fracture network um, seems to be important and if um, we're, we're seeing these sort of tail results with the micro prop into the in these test cases but we seem to be also seeing it 
um, when we're looking at our decline curves of, of other wells and, and basically hearing what operators are telling us, um, we, we seem to see that. The other reality is that um, in terms of these initial production rates, there, there does seem to be a slowdown in some of the aggressive um, unleashing of the wells. So uh, in the in the downturn, just like OPEC producers were sort of opening up the you know production and, and cranking it out and trying to increase cash flow, many of these operators in the U.S. were doing the same thing, trying to um, you know open up the choke valves, uh, really produce the wells, uh, which ends up drawing them down and and you know probably hurting long-term production uh, perhaps in the future. But I think we're seeing a little bit less of that. So yes, the companies want to show you an impressive initial production rate, but there is more attention being placed on the decline, the actual um, and the tail, that production tail. Um, so I, I just want to remind, you know, throw this out there that this is a really important space to watch because the type of sand that these producers are using is is very important to the the um, the uh, sand that the companies, the, the frack com- sand companies that what they're producing. So um, if, if everyone is going toward 100 mesh and there's not enough 100 mesh, um, then obviously companies are going to be using other sand that's out there. Um, but the demand is obviously for the smaller grain sand. Um, and as more data comes out and this becomes, um, you know, a, more case studies come out, um, th- there could be more of a push toward this. So it's just an important space to watch. Um, Petronerts will certainly be on it. We will, we will continue to do this and, and we should have have some additional research uh, coming out on this, and we're we're more than open to um, some collaborative research opportunities um, in this space. So with that, I would like to conclude this podcast. I want to thank you all for listening. Um, it was a pleasure being with you today, and uh, I look forward to speaking with you again very soon. Thank you, and have a wonderful day.